Kopitar sends it to the line. Dowdy stick handling to Foley shot. Tipped in front. Loose puck. Dowdy pounding away at him. Flurry kept it out. Second and third efforts being denied. 15 seconds to go. Dowdy at the line. Put up down low. Go! Kopitar scores! And the comeback Kings have done it again. You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Kings. Dowdy faking on the shot, juking to the inside, working his way back up top. Kopitar waits, shoots off of McNabb. Dowdy again to Kopitar, faking on the blast. To Foley, one-timer, knocked down to the star! Dustin Brown wins it, and the comeback is complete. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. My name is Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. <laughs> what a difference a game makes. That game uh, was far from perfect, but my goodness, what a finish. Uh, if nothing else, this season has given us some incredible memories, eh, Kings fans? Uh, we will have a trade deadline recap episode later this week after the Kings complete their home-and-home series against Vegas. But for now, please do enjoy <laughs> the recap of last night's insane win never miss an episode by subscribing on itunes stitcher spotify premium google play or any other podcasting service subscription links and recent episodes can be found at lakings.com slash podcast we are here high above the ice at the bob miller press box at staples center jack jablonski joins me to discuss this wonderful magical amazing stupid infuriating Horrible, wonderful hockey team. Jack, <laughs> compare the end of this game to the end of the last game. It was the exact same, <laughs> and, and which is it's great to see the effort in the last five, seven minutes, but it's it can't become a trend. And and we've oh, s- I got bad news for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it, it can't become a trend. I, I say that because we don't want it to continue, but right. it's been the narrative the whole year. Yeah. Uh, Confused. It's it's, t- it's trending on Twitter already. Yeah, right? yeah. As you are in Vegas yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at it's no, it, it's uh, it's been one of the it's it's this. Are you confused? Because I don't think anyone understands. You know how you go from fifty minutes outplayed to just flip the switch and do it and, and end up winning. It, it's it's confusing and. Uh, as we were talking before the podcast, I don't think we have any better of an idea of where this team is compared to the NHL than we did two days ago or two months ago. Yeah, you know, there's that expression, um, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. <sighs> we're doing well, that. I don't know if the Kings are crazy, but it's making me crazy. <laughs> because every one of these games where, you know, with 56 minutes gone, I'm thinking to myself... Well, there's another loss. Let's you know the long drive home. What the heck am I going to talk about on the you know on the post game? Like, oh, geez, this team. And then all of a sudden, they appear to be world beaters. And it's against Tampa Bay. It's against Pittsburgh. It's against the Golden Knights. It's against like the best teams in the league. And it's and it's just prolonged enough of a stretch that it's not. Oh well, they were down by one with you know a minute left and they pulled the goalie and put on a late press like it's no it's like four or five minutes left in the game all of a sudden they become this 
all of a sudden their passes are crisper and more deliberate. All of a sudden Kopitar is picking passes out of the air. All of a sudden Dowdy's not fumbling the puck. All of a sudden Muzzin's not shooting it straight into a guy's shin. Like all of the mistakes, all of the sort of mental lapses, all of the lackadaisical uh, lollygagging that happened in the first, you know, 90% of the game disappears and they become this this super team. And sure, some of it is that the other team is... Yeah, and is is back on their heels and weren't expecting this. But part of it is like, no, they actually... I mean, you saw it in overtime. Mm. The Kings are are capable of feats of wonder, and yet they appear not to be interested. I don't... That's the part that's confusing. It's a complicated team. There's a lot of moving pieces, which I think is creating a little bit of this narrative. And, you know, we've had, you know, three, four trades in and out of the lineups with different guys, and... Now you get a guy like Carter coming back who, who looked better today uh, than he did two nights ago in his debut, or his re-debut on the season. Um, and uh, it's one of those things where I think this team is still learning how to play together and, and still learning under a, a first-year head coach of, of how exactly he wants the team to play and what his expectations are uh, for certain players on the ice. And, and then you look at a situation where you get a team like Vegas in tonight who... You know, as you know, we didn't necessarily expect a, a two goal comeback with seven no. minutes left no, in the game. We did not. Uh, but then you also have you know two nights ago you take an Edmonton team who, you know, a Connor McDavid you know team that hasn't won in stable centers in in two years, and and then they you know almost you know come back two goals in the last minute. Uh, so it's one of those things where there's you know a lot of moving parts, and I think that's a big contributor to. To why we're seeing some of the uh, the results on the ice uh, in a little bit more of a, a detailed manner. The biggest confusion for me, <clears throat> if one were to believe in the hockey gods, the hockey gods deliver a loss to the Kings the other night against Edmonton, a team that is incontrovertibly bad. <laughs> the very next game, in almost identical fashion, we are delivered a win against the Golden Knights team that is incontrovertibly good. Uh, And I think we have to address that because it's one thing to watch the Golden Knights in in highlights. It's another thing to watch a full game when they're playing somebody else. It's quite another Mm -hmm. to see them in person. And, my God, they're good. (laughs) This is the first time I've seen them in person. I've seen them on TV in Mm. the first game of the year with the the Vegas tribute of of the shooting and how they played uh, opening uh, against Arizona, but to see them in person, these guys are fast yeah. and they are good. And I, I think a lot of you know hockey fans or, or fans in general of hockey look at Vegas and go, "How does an expansion team do this? It's never been done before." Well, obviously, the, it was set up for a little bit more success mm-hmm. than previous teams have, but we don't want to believe how good they are because yeah. they are an expansion team and. This team and Nashville are the two best teams in the West, bar none right now. Uh, I am I'm amazed that they came back and won, but to see what Vegas, uh, you know, did for ninety percent of the game is 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 very impressive. And, and you know, LA doesn't necessarily match up that well against these guys, and, no. and Vegas showed that. Well, for about I 90%. mean, nobody, nobody you're right, no one does because does. they have so much more depth than a lot of teams, yeah. uh, having you know the sixth or seventh best player on every team. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 going to be interesting to see how tomorrow night goes uh you know going on a back-to-back uh after you know the the chaos that ended in tonight mm-hmm. uh but i'm 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 honestly just excited to see how vegas does in the playoffs as well well there was a quote from one of the vegas players and I, it slips my mind who it was but he said all we have to do is keep our feet moving 
and and the kings will have leaden legs at the end of the at 120 minutes. And for a second, I thought 120 minutes. But I said, oh, he's talking about both games. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, he's probably right. The kings will probably be gassed tomorrow night. And I don't care. Like I really don't care if they lose tomorrow because I thought they were going to lose both of them, and we'd be staring down the barrel of a four-game losing streak. Looking and, up at three teams. Yeah, exactly. Ahead of you, yeah. Instead, the Kings find themselves in the final wild card spot, um, one point behind Anaheim with a game in hand, and tied with St. Louis and Calgary. St. Louis at this point, or sorry, one point ahead of St. Louis, tied with Calgary. And at this point, I think St. Louis uh, with the trade of Stasny. Yeah, that was an interesting one because I, you know, just from a lot of the insiders uh, that you, I you know, do know, but at the same time that are you're tweeting and, and talking on TSN, so on and so forth, basically made it sound like the the St. Louis situation was get rid of Stasny, another thing's coming, and mm-hmm. it never did. And and at this point, you have to look at them as you know, I'd be surprised if they worked their way back up above uh, Calgary or Los Angeles for the final playoff spot. Uh, but most importantly, you know. Today is huge because, as you said, uh, you know we expected you know zero points out of four in the next two days, and to walk away with at least two and possibly three or four is is huge for the morale of the team. But mm-hmm. to to avoid a four game losing streak this late in the season, to be able to build off of a team or off of a win against Vegas, who's leading the the, the division, and then to to ultimately you know not be having to look up at three teams and and you know now you have to check the board every time when you're playing a game as well it's it helps a lot uh it's a lot easier to to work your way down than it is to work your way up so it it is uh it's nice being on the top right now of of uh these three teams that are looking at the the playoffs the pass from Fanuf on the game winning goal game tire sorry game tire thank you the game tying goal. It just felt like the game winning goal. Uh, the game tying goal was, I thought, such a perfect example of what I hope he can bring to this team. Mm-hmm. Right, just the sort of presence of mind, the calmness, the compose. You know, we said it time and time again. The composure. That's the sort of thing that this team needs, and that's the sort of thing you know we can complain about the fifty-five minutes that led up to this push. But those, those kinds of players. They can they can they can make a pass like that with ten seconds left in the third period, and I mean there was a mad rush, you know, on floor. I mean just attempt after attempt after attempt, and to you know to get the puck back out to the point, to move it around, and to see a, a, an open man. Yeah, I mean the the cross ice uh, the cross ice pass between you know two or three defenders to get to Kopitar for the the easy one timer, uh, is exactly what I think we all hoped we would see. You know, you know, enough. You know, whether. Or not, you know, your opinion on him is, you know, he has a bad rep, or he can be a prima donna, or, or whatever has, you know, come in, you know, before we we got a hold of, of his contract and, and him. Uh, he has been everything that Kings have asked for and more so mm-hmm. far. You know, he's been great in the locker room so far. He's obviously producing on, on an offensive standpoint that I don't think any of us expected. Uh, you know, he's got the same amount of goals in a Kings uniform as he did in Ottawa <laughs> for the whole year. So uh, it's one of those situations where this is exactly what you would hope for in, in a trade this late in the season. And he's been able to, to turn the defensive situation around and uh, to keep a team like Vegas to, to two goals, you know, a tribute to the defensive uh, ability uh, uh, as a unit to, to prevent it. And, and, and my God, you know, Jonathan Quick, what can we say enough about him? Let's talk about Jonathan Quick because I went on Vegas Radio today uh, to talk about the game, and one of the questions they asked me was, you know, uh, are you worried about Quick? 
And I laughed and I said, no, like, I get it. He had a bad January. Nobody's going to sit here and, and lie and say that he didn't. But since he got his game back, he's been great. And tonight was, I mean, they're, they win this game because of Jonathan Quick, right? The great goals by Carter and, and Kopitar and Brown and, and, you know, huge late, you know, game push and all that. But no, this was a Jonathan Quick special, right? Like, this was... I mean, he was superhuman. And and when I knew that he was on, right, when I sort of thought to myself, okay, they might have a chance, and this was earlier in the game before they got down 2 to nothing, and I decided they didn't have a chance. <laughs> but it was early in the game, there was a, a moment where the puck crossed the Kings' blue line, heading towards Quick, and there were no Kings. They were going to, I can't remember which golden night it was that, that he was about 30 feet away from the puck. And the closest king to him was 20 mm. feet away from him. And Quick saw it and came way, just almost right out to the blue line yep. to get the puck because he realized if he didn't, breakaway goal. Yep. Like, no question. And he did that at least twice, twice. maybe yep. three times. Um, and that's just how into this game he was. And also speaks to just how good the Golden Knights are that even Quick could see, like... And this is a little bit of what we talked about uh, after the, the podcast two days ago in, in the situation where... Uh, you know, you didn't necessarily see the the trade of moving Darcy Kemper to, to Arizona and receiving mm-hmm. Tobias Reeder as as highly as I did because I think you know it comes down to tonights like this where you know Quick would have played this game I think no matter what and Darcy Kemper would not have but at the same time like these are the performances that are going to get the Kings to the playoffs you know these are two points that we stole from Vegas and mm-hmm. now Vegas obviously doesn't need the points like LA does but at the same time. You know, the Kings should have had a zero uh, in this in the the point category tonight, and and quick. You know, he made a, a point blank save on Neil th- two minutes into the game when that was a blatant goal, and then he made you know three or four saves in the second period, and then all of a sudden you know two acrobatic saves in the third period to keep this game you know within range, and all of a sudden you know the heroics came later in the game. But Jonathan Quick, you know, as you mentioned on the radio, is you know we aren't concerned because he's done this before. He knows. You know what it takes to a make the playoffs. You know the Kings have they've won the cup as an eight seed. They know all they have to do is make the playoffs. And by all means, I think the locker room within LA is pretty confident once they make the playoffs that they are going to be able to do some damage if they're on the right page. And that's exactly why uh, the quick situation was huge tonight. But moving forward, you know, if we see this often, you know, more often than not, I think we're going to be okay. So let's talk about how good the Vegas Golden Knights really are. Uh, because in the third period, I found myself thinking, okay, they're going to lose this game. Uh, I, I don't need to watch every minute of it. I got to have something to talk about. And I thought to myself, you know, we know the axiom, you can't win them all. Yep. So that means by definition, you're going to lose some of them. How good could a team realistically be in the lockout era, the salary cap era? So I looked up all of the, the winning percentage of the the winning percentages of the President's Trophy winners for each season going back to the, uh, the 0405 lockout. And uh, this is just the percentage of points that they could possibly get. And we've got, uh, moving backwards from last year, 720, 732, 689, 713, 802. That was the lockout shortened season where Chicago went post to post, so we're going to put an asterisk next to that. 677, 713, 738, 713, 701, 689, 756. And that was the first year after the lockout. So even that's a little bit of an anomaly. So realistically, anything above 700 
and like under six under seven forty is about your range. Mm. And going into the game tonight, the Golden Knights were at seven oh five. Had they won, they'd have been at seven oh nine. So I mean, realistically, this is about as good a team as you can make in this league. And it is, and you know, it's been done in an interesting fashion. And uh, again, the NHL did set them up for success. Uh, you know, no one expected you know Vegas to be this good by any means, but it's interesting because it's a bunch of guys that have something to prove that weren't necessarily wanted by their old teams or wanted enough to to be protected and and you know they're out here it's vegas so you know they're having a good time but at the same time they're a bunch of young guys for the most part that are that are living it up proving that you know the the old team made a mistake and not keeping them and you've got guys like william carlson you know wild bill uh you james neal who is on the you know almost a Stanley Cup winning mm-hmm. team again and you know they decide to keep defensemen over a vet like him and it just goes on Mark andre Fleury a two-time Stanley Cup winner who wasn't wanted by his old team I mean it's, it's so crazy how a team of you know quote-unquote outcasts is now the the you know debatably the best team in the NHL and uh, it's it's crazy to me because you know they're young they're inexperienced and it's one of those situations where maybe they don't even necessarily understand that they shouldn't be doing this well and by all means they just ignore it and they keep playing and they keep having fun a friend of ours said during the first intermission if it wasn't vegas he wouldn't have come to the game tonight and i said what you really wanted to see the kings lose that badly (laughs) and and he said no i want to see the team that's going to lose to the national predators in the western conference final And I said, and our friend the Royal Half said, you mean lose to the Penguins in the in the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. And I, I agree with the Royal Half. I don't, I would not be the least bit surprised if Vegas makes it to the Stanley Cup final. The only reason I wouldn't think that they would win it is because I am a worshiper at the, at the temple of Sidney Crosby. Like, I'm, maybe it's because I'm Canadian by birth. Maybe it's because I listen to too much, you know, Canadian podcasts. We we can leave this for another podcast, but I don't think they're going to make it. The the pens. Yep. Okay, fair enough. But but I just think even if Vegas did make it to the final, well, if they make it to the final against anybody but Tampa or Pittsburgh, I think they win. <laughs> and I I agree. I don't I don't know. I, obviously, no one knows. But at the same time. I don't, I don't, for, for some reason, I don't think they're going to make it to the cup just hmm. because I think the inexperience, you know, the, yeah. there's, there's so much energy in Vegas and I understand that that's going to play a huge factor. Obviously these guys are going to be pumped up playing, you know, some of them in their first playoffs, some of them in their real opportunity of playing, you know, a large sum of minutes at the same time. It's just, I, I, it's just, it's too pick pitch perfect of a, of a story to, to just have them go to the cup in their first year. So, uh, I can't give you any reasons because you know again they they have a seven oh five winning percentage but uh, it's just it's a gut feeling and you know who know tweet me if if I'm wrong in a few months. <laughs> oh, look, you'll never have to <laughs> you'll never get any condemnation from me for not having an explanation for for having a feeling. <laughs> I, I'm fine with that. Now before the game, or rather during the second period. You got uh, <laughs> yeah. the experience of a lifetime. What did you do during the yeah. second period, Jack? Uh, during the second period, uh, well, I, I've you know, being from Minnesota, you know, one of the the hockey meccas of America, 
Uh, I had two high school friends uh, and a, you know, a very good friend of mine were on Team USA women's uh, hockey team. So uh, they happened to be here tonight and it was able to go down, spend some time with them, enjoy the gold medal, which is very heavy, by the way. Uh, and just, you know, take in the, 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 the victory in the, you know, as a nation. So quite an experience, you know, having, you know, grown up with two of them as, chi- as, as a child, uh, you, you start to question what you're doing in life to not have a gold medal around <laughs> your neck. But at the same time, uh, it was an awesome experience, you know, shout out to them for, for bringing it home and, uh, could not be, uh, more proud of a friend to, to, to witness, uh, and see the, the victory on their faces. I feel like you're, you know, leaving out the fact that you were prom king. Oh yeah. Prom king. Uh, yeah. The winner was also the prom queen that year. Uh, so I, under my impression, what's hers is mine. So, That's right. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I'm not wearing the gold right Partial, now. Partial, but there you go. You got yourself a gold 50%, medal. 50%. It's like a marriage. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so the USA team was here, the, the women's uh, gold medal winning team. Um, boo, because I'm rude for Canada. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but it was, it, was, it was a nice ceremony. This is, this is, a, this is a pro-America project. All right, USA, see. USA. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, big night for you, big night for the Kings. One uh, complaint you had you wanted to talk about was the hit from Kyle Clifford. Yeah, and that came early in the game. And, and Kyle Clifford is not necessarily a dirty player by any means, but uh, you know you have to check it out if you didn't see it or didn't catch the game. It, to me, it's a hit early in the first period. You know, both you know, he and uh, the the Golden Knight. I, I don't remember who the player was. Uh, we're both going to the bench for a change. You know, Clifford on one side, you know, was looking at the puck, but also can see. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knight in front of him. The other one had his head turned watching the puck, and and, and Clifford essentially blindsided him with his you know, upper body, elbow, you know, shoulder, whatever it may be, into his head, and uh, it ended up getting a two minute penalty. Uh, it, to me, it was just it's it's an unacceptable play in hockey, and and that's what's the most frustrating part is you know by all means you know did it hurt the team? Yeah, he got a two minute penalty. I would have personally argued that it would have been a five-minute penalty or a, a fine or, or a, a game suspension. It, it, it's it's something that it, you can't be demonstrating that it is okay, and and it was a two-minute penalty, but at the same time, it shouldn't be in our game. And that play uh, was a picture-perfect example of, of why you see you know a lot of the fighting going down and, and physicality being called is is this is a safer game. We understand you know what the game can do to our bodies and our heads, and uh, it, it drove me crazy. You know having you know being someone who who is injured in a hockey game and and seeing the you know the causation of what can happen to head injuries or upper body injuries it's something that it irks me just because he's not a dirty player and he got the emotion got to him and uh it didn't cost the kings but i i I hope it does cost him money because it it shouldn't be in the game i've only seen the one angle and it's a pretty weak defense but the only defense i can offer is from the one angle i saw it looked like he didn't try to initiate contact. I agree with you that once contact was made, he essentially uppercutted the dude <laughs> with, with his elbow. Yeah. Um, so not great, but um, but yeah, obviously we don't want that sort of thing in the game. And, yeah. and you know, I'd be a stinky hypocrite if I <laughs> if I didn't say I agree with you because you know, obviously um, the guy in Arizona whose name escapes me, but ah, uh, uh, yeah, it escapes me as well. But but that guy, <laughs> and and you know John Scott a few years ago. Even though everybody seems to think John Scott is a lovely human being, these hurt a couple people. Yeah. And, oh, and it goes back. What is it? Canucks if, about fifteen, ten, fifteen years Bertuzzi. ago. Bertuzzi. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's you know it has been leaking out of the game, and that's the great part about it. Well. Is, 
and the physicality is, you know, they're being Ronaldo. Yeah, the... Ronaldo. Yes, yes. Uh, oh, and Rafi Torres. Yeah, that was. Uh, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but so there's there's many situations, but it is cleaning up, and that's you know they've done a great job within player safety and and so on and so forth. But at the same time, you know, this it, it does happen, and I understand that the emotions get to you. We've all been there who have played the game or or who watched the game. You can understand, you know, why someone would do something. But at the same time. It, it, it frust it's it's frustrating to me because obviously you know there's there's more to it than than just the hit uh, for myself but uh, at the same time you know you hope that you know it it continues to be cleaned up and and that we you know are being taught the right way to play and uh, and, and you know we don't see you know in, <laughs> intentional or unintentional but still semi intent to to you know. Yeah. To take a shot at someone that doesn't need it. And I mean, I think it extends into the crowd as well. You know, yeah. we had a really loud crowd here tonight, but I didn't see any fights. I didn't see any mm-hmm. ugliness. You know, it was annoying that they yeah. would cheer and they were well, chanting they, for Flurry. Yeah. But at least it was civil. Very. You know, and you see an incident uh, like what, what happened um, with uh, Smith Pelly. Oh, yeah. You know, with those fans, right? Unex- and you go, and that's unacceptable. And and I would take it one step further and say, even if they hadn't been being overtly racist, yep. right, which they were, yep. but even if they were just banging on the glass and screaming at him generically, yep. I, I'm still sort of done with that whole mm-hmm. thing, right? Like, ch- chant for your players, boo. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're the Edmonton Oilers, throw your jerseys on the ice. I get it. <laughs> but but yeah. the sort of why don't you take a shot at Vegas too? You're you're trending there. They're probably I, I can't take a shot at them. They're too friggin' good. <laughs> um, they're, I mean, their fans absolutely deserve to be enjoying this. I, it only annoys me because it's like. You know the expression "born on third and thinks he hit a triple." <laughs> like that's Vegas fans, it's, right? You know, you're, I mean, you are correct. Yeah. Zero suffering in their fan base, and they're puffing out. They're you know, wow, we're we're Vegas, we're amazing. And it's like, sure you are, kid. Sure you are. Like, <laughs> wait till you scrape your knee for the first time, and we'll see how hard you cry. <laughs> but uh, but like I said, at least it's civil. But I'm just I'm just kind of, and maybe this is just me getting in, to be an old man. Um, I'm just tired of cruelty. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's a fine line I realize between booing, and you know, or jeering a goalie who's having a bad game who makes a an easy stop, or throwing your you know, throwing your Patrick Maroon jersey on the ice in Edmonton. But you know, <laughs> it's that sort of thing that leads to, you know, players on you know Todd Bertuzzi blindsiding a guy, or or Rafi Torres, or or any of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, Clifford not a dirty player. Nope. But you know. It happened. It does, and it did. So that's unfortunate. Let's talk about the three goals just real quick. Carter's first goal of the season. Not only first goal back from injury, but of the season. It only takes one, Jesse. Yeah, but it went off of the other team. <laughs> yeah. It went off of uh, Eakin, was uh, it? I believe it was, yeah. I think it was Eakin's face. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, hey, uh, as a goal scorer and myself as a previous goal scorer, it only takes one. You see it go in the net. Yeah, once that, a goal scorer, always a goal scorer. Very much so. <laughs> and, but, no, the thing is, is you know, once you do see it go into the net, it, it yeah, Eakin. Oof. Um, it, it, that that's all you need, and it's kind of like you know. A lot of times, the cliche is that that it only takes one to, to see hit the back of the net with you know three point shooters or whatever it may be. Yeah. But, um, you know, hopefully Carter can build off this. He he played a lot better uh, than he did uh, two nights ago. Um, and, and you know, they the the line situation is a little frustrating and a little concerning that they're still jumbling it around. Uh, but at the same time, you know, uh, for the first goal, uh, you know. It takes some luck, it, you know, puck luck or the hockey gods, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and we got that, and then they, they rolled on to their second goal, Jesse. 
Yeah, he scored. He played uh, 19 minutes, and you know, I want to talk about. You know, as you said, it went off his face, and that was a goal scorer's score. And, and we talk about the notion that um, luck is the residue of design, and the great ones make their own luck. And Brown was on the other end of that intended pass. He might not have scored on it, right? He might not have converted it, but yeah. But the the reason Eakins goes down and and headbutts the puck into the net is because he sees Brown there and he's yep. trying to make the play. And so it was a good play all around. Yeah. And uh, and and that's what you want. And so yeah, maybe. Carter didn't mean to do just that, but we'll take it. Now, Kopitar's goal we referenced earlier, the pass from Phaneuf, mm-hmm. um, was just, I mean, to, like I said, to have the presence of mind when previously there had been just an insane scramble. Um, I don't want to say it was Willie Mitchell-esque, but it's the kind of play that I'm not sure that Martinez or Muzzin, and certainly not Forbert or or maybe yeah. Follen, although his Follen's yeah. had a weird knack for... Yeah, and, the, and that's by no means is that a knock on no, any of them. No, no. It's just that's that's the Dion Phaneuf yeah. that makes that much money. Like, yeah, that he's exactly. worth... We pay him, well, however much we retain. Well, we won't get into that. He makes, he yeah, makes, he a, makes a money. He makes a lot of money, <laughs> yeah. just a little bit less than uh, Mr. Brown. But, yeah, um, yeah so... Or uh, Dowdy, sorry. Uh, but the thing is, is, you know, Enough, you know, to be able to, to make that pass between three Golden Knights is is exactly you know what we brought him in for. It, you bring him in to, to be a pest, and you bring him in to just shut down, you know, top wingers, which gives you know Dowdy a little bit more leeway to be offensive minded, and then you get you know a guy like Kopitar who's had you know a huge bounce back season compared to last year, uh, and you know there's a reason he's the captain, there's a reason he's the first line center, and there's there's a reason that he's leading the team in points. The pass from Dowdy to Fanuff before he passes it to Gopitar, a no-look pass, right? No-look, 80-foot cross-ice pass. Yes. Um, God, I love this team when they're playing well. Uh, we're going to have to talk a little bit loudly because they're resurfacing the ice, which means we got to go soon. But I just wanted to talk about the overtime winner because you talked about Kopitar's resurgent career. Dustin Brown out in front. Kopitar passes it over. I think to uh, to Foley who shoots it in, and Brown 100%. You can't see it at full speed, but in slow motion, he grabs the puck off the rebound, and uh, and he absolutely corrals it to the outside where he's able to yeah. put it past Fleury. It's a great goal. It's a goal scorer's goal, and Brown, you know, isn't necessarily always known for being a goal scorer. He does a lot of the dirty work for Kopitar and the other line mates that he's been on throughout the years. Uh, but that's exactly you know, you, it takes the hands to yeah. first and foremost take a, a one-timing slap shot off of near your groin area, then have it corral it as it's going towards uh, Flurry, and then to pull it back around his leg and, and bang it in for the game winner. It's, you know, it takes talent, it takes composure, uh, all while McNabb, the ex-king, is on your back, you know, cross-checking you down. So. There's, a, there's a great shot after he scored the goal of Flurry's pad on his head, <laughs> and he's not moving, he's just lying there staring straight ahead, and, and his just head is underneath Flurry's pad. That's his 19th goal on the season, he's got 19 Toffoli's got 20. Kopitar's got 26. Realistically, I, you know, I suppose Kempe might get 20, but I mean, I, I'm not holding my breath. There's no reason he couldn't. He's at 16 right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the next yeah. on the list is Trevor Lewis at 13. Well, I don't I think mean, he'll be getting that, 20. but No, but 13 <laughs> goals out of Trevor Lewis. No, that's fantastic. That is unbelievable. But so you've really got three guys uh, carrying the offensive load, and it's Kopitar, Toffoli, and Brown, three guys that last year, had down seasons. Yeah, they're so, down seasons. They were. It was a, a cause for concern. It was, you know, whether you want to call it red flags or or just you know, oh, why are we paying this guy so much money? The this year has been a. You know, it's your prime example of why your you know Kobatar is making ten million, 
why Brown is making you know around five something, and why Toffoli is is where he is yeah, in know, line for a big race. Exactly. So, uh, you know, it's you know we'll take it you know tonight. Every you know you get this a few times a year, and unfortunately you get what you got in it against Edmonton you know two nights ago a few times a year as well. So it works both ways. Do they you know deserve to win this game? Probably not, but uh, you know. But they won. But they won it. And, and hey, who predicted it last time? Not you. Yeah, I absolutely. I mean, I was kidding. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> but I absolutely said they yeah. win. Mister Zero. Uh, yeah. But no, I think you're right. They probably didn't win, deserve to win. But but we saw not only late in the game, but also in the third period, we saw one more time when they're when they're on their game. You know, I've heard people criticize the roster. I've heard people say it's this, it's that, it's the other thing. When this team is on their game and all of their heads are in it and they're all pulling in the same direction, it's a it's a force to be reckoned with. It's it's a team that uh, you don't want to face in the playoffs because you have the experience you have to Stanley Cups in the last five years or six years, whatever you want to be. If you want to be a stickler about it, but at the same, (laughs) I do. Uh, it's it's a team that many teams face solely because of the the veteran leadership, the experience, the success uh, within experience, uh, and and overall, uh, uh, I think that you know this team with their head on straight, with their you know going in the right direction. Uh, if Quick can continue his success, continue his uh, playing out of his mind, or or at least you know up to the the expectation that Kings fans and, and we have for him. Uh, or I guess most importantly the coaching staff and management, but uh, this team, they're in the right area and, I, and by all means this is a better team than Calgary you know, this is a better team than what we believe is the current state of the St. Louis Blues <laughs> yep. uh, and who knows about you know Anaheim or, or, or um, San Jose, but anything can happen, they've got you know 19 games left in the season It'll be interesting to see how some of the new additions play out with Evander Kane or, or some of the you know, lower key signings in Anaheim. Jason Chimera. Jason Chimera <laughs> and, uh, and Riley, I believe, yeah. uh, from Team Canada. So uh, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. And tomorrow is going to be an interesting night. Uh, as you referenced the quote from the, the Vegas uh, Golden Knight earlier, after 120 minutes, it'll be interesting to see if the Kings can keep up with Vegas because uh, as of right now, I believe that is the current playoff matchup. <laughs> yeah, which... Oh man! Yeah. Oh, we're in for some man. Am I ready for that? <laughs> we're in for some <laughs> uh, some interesting hockey. Oh, uh, I couldn't. Oh, it was <laughs> so much fun. Unless it was a sweep, in which case that would kind of be heartbreaking. But s- for Vegas fans, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, we're gonna wrap it up now. But uh, thanks for listening, Kings fans. Another huge, improbable win from this wonderful, magical, lovely, stupid, <laughs> infuriating, ridiculous team. Thanks for being with me, Jack. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening, Kings fans. We'll talk to you soon.